and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm Lindsay Romaine. And today we're talking about Minute 106, which begins with Hicks telling Ripley that they can find Newt with this and ends with Ripley telling Newt to climb down. They've got to cut through. Yeah, and that's uh, Lindsay Romaine back with us again uh, from earlier in the season. This time she's acting as co-host. Lindsay, uh, thanks for coming back. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, and uh, remind everyone where you're where you're coming from. What uh, do you do? I forgot to ask you before <laughs> how you wanted to be introduced. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm here in Chicago. Um, I'm a writer for multiple places, um, Thrillist, Vulture, um, a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, I'm just happy to be here today. Yeah. Well, you came. You're right in the middle of uh, the action here. We're kind of full throttle mode with aliens now i don't think it really ever slows down i've said this probably multiple times already but uh once the once the aliens come through the ceiling uh it's kind of over from there the the movie never slows down so we're right in the middle of something we're right in the middle of kind of a cliffhanger here where we've had newt drop down the uh chute there and disappear into the darkness so we start with ripley you know yelling down at newt um, saying, you know, trying to get some sort of uh, notification from Newt that she's all right down there, and and we get some, we get a little affirmation from Newt that she's all right, and and then Hicks telling Ripley that they can find her with the uh, tracking device. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty gross down there too. So it's yeah, <laughs> good thing Keep that she's. I kind of wondered, you know, as I was watching this, we were talking in the last minute about the nature of it is a cliffhanger and the fact that it's showing Newt uh, sliding that down into the darkness and just kind of leaving it there. I kind of wonder when I watch this minute, whether it would have been a better choice to not have her yell back. Yeah. At Ripley. Would we have had a little bit more of a cliffhanger uh, and maybe a little bit more suspense over the next few seconds? Had we not cut away uh, either had the, the, her yell back or cut away to her before Ripley finds her. What do you think? Do you think that this is the better choice? or I hadn't really thought of that before, but that's interesting. I do think that would, you know, obviously when you don't hear back, that's always more uh, increases the tension. I don't really mind, though, that you see it. I guess it kind of sets it up for uh, what becomes a sort of different cliffhanger in a minute, a couple of minutes down when, you know, the alien kind of rises out. So... Sure. Um, yeah, it doesn't really bother me. And we and we've talked a, a lot about how uh, the geography is so well established in this movie, or how you never quite are wondering where you are somehow, even though this is a completely foreign place. And I think ha- showing Newt um, underneath the grating there in the water orients us to where she is, so that when they do find her, it, it all makes sense. But I just kind of wonder about this this yell back, like man, if we just had that moment of silence from the. Uh, uh, from Ripley or from Newt instead of her answering Ripley, I kind of just wonder if there wouldn't have been a little bit more nerve wracking. But that's true. That is true. No, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting. Would be an interesting choice. I know that Cameron talks, and we'll talk more about this as the week goes on. Probably Cameron talks a little bit about the nature of child endangerment in films. And how at the time he didn't have children and, and didn't really think much about it, but you still kind of wonder if it wasn't kind of an instinctual move here to be like, we probably should let the audience know that this kid's okay. Right, <laughs> right. Instead of, <laughs> it'd be a, I don't know if it would be a little bit too uh, uh, subversive, or I, maybe not subversive is not the word, but a little bit too sadistic, maybe right. to 
do this to, to the audience. Right. I think that's really interesting. Um, I know that comes up with Spielberg and stuff, too, about how when they, you know, direct a film before having children, how uh, that kind of, you know, probably does influence a lot of what they think about with how they use kids. You know, they probably don't think about it and approach it as much as fathers. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. Yeah. It's 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 kind of interesting because I'm collaborating on a screenplay right now with a guy, and I'm I'm a father, and so is he. Yet we we have a child character in a very dangerous situation, and we're kind of always trying to figure out how to make it more dangerous for right. the kid. And I think I wonder if it's not um, kind of a reverse of it, where we're trying not to be too careful. That's that's. I'm sure that's also a thing where you don't want to be the one that's like, oh, let's think of the kids so much. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say too, that another approach they had towards the scene initially, at least based on the original screenplay is that Ripley was going to immediately jive down the shoot after Newt. Hmm. So we were going to get two, uh, the way it's described in the script is that we we're going to get these two moments where we actually follow Newt down the, ventilation shoot there and then we'll cut back to ripley she's she gives hicks like a quick look like a little eye contact and she jumps down after her and more of a controlled kind of fall where she's holding herself down as she goes down but uh, i'm really glad they didn't do that i I think (laughs) this is a much better decision and you could tell you know um just well from what you know what we all know about the production of the movie that it was probably a practical choice anyway that that would have been a difficult shot to get but I think it worked out for the best. Yeah, absolutely. That would have also gone into that territory of like, I don't know, extreme motherly instinct, which can sometimes be, I don't know, a little much. So <laughs> kind of glad they didn't do that either. Right. Uh, that was the next note I had too, was that in the script also, when you hear Newt yelling back, she's straight up calling Ripley mommy. Oh, wow. Like, wow. There's a, there's a couple of spots previously in the script where she accidentally does it and then corrects herself. But this time she doesn't correct herself. I think his thought was that she was going to go all in. He, uh, we were going to go all in with the maternal connection, uh, for the mother-daughter connection with Newt. And yeah. I'm glad they pulled back from that. Obviously, that's corny. Right, to have right. flat out say it. But also, I, I, I'm trying to remember if it was you that we talked about this way back when you were initially on the show whether uh, we were talking about how to how to um, define the relationship between Newton and Ripley yeah whether we, it, yeah we did talk about that a lot um, when I was on and, and I think you were the one that that uh, brought forth the idea that they were more like survivors uh, that shared maybe I can't remember if that was you or not I don't remember either that sounds like something I would say but <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if it was <clears throat> um, but yeah I know I agree with that I I would absolutely have hated it if it if she had called her mommy in this scene. Not just because it's obvious, but it's a little cheap too, right? That's going right for like the emotional, the the easy emotional sort of connection there, and I just think that's a lot less interesting <laughs> than. Yeah, it's it's really on the nose, and then I think it's also when you're, you know, if you're writing the script, you might put something like that in. Because you have the idea of that, like yeah. in the subtext, and sometimes you'll throw subtext right into the dialogue when you're writing maybe a first draft. Absolutely, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And also, we're talking about the draft that has her mother in it. Right. You know, where we have that initial scene 
uh, you know, where they find the derelict ship and her mother right. and her mother's there. So maybe it made more sense in that first draft. But again, that's one of those things where you circle that, you know, when you're reading the script and giving notes to James Cameron, if you are doing such a thing and you're saying this is too on the nose, you just keep writing on the nose, on the nose, let's cut this down. There's, it's okay to have a, a bit of subtext about a father, a mother daughter relationship between the two of them, but don't be so on the nose about it because there are, as we're, we're discussing other ways to look at it too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be kind of confusing too. I don't know. I mean, I not for intelligent viewers, but <laughs> some people get very easily confused about um, stuff like that. So maybe people would be like, "What? She's her mom?" I don't know. Yeah, it's best to probably just avoid <laughs> anything like that. No, very true. And and you know, one of the things I like about Newt the most is that she's not such a kid. Like she's yeah. a kid. And she's, you know, you feel for her as a child, and, and the child endangerment thing is there, and I think that adds something. But also, she's cool. She's she's calm. She's seems more like one of the one of the crew there too. So I think the fact that you get it both ways makes her a more interesting character. If she was just a kid yelling "mommy," I think it would undercut her character quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. That just makes her more like toddler esque or something, and yeah, it kind of eliminates the survival kid thing that we've been showing up till this point so yeah i agree yeah yeah i'm really loving how one of the things benefits i'm getting from this uh doing this podcast is it's changed my my rather simplistic reading of this movie <laughs> personally because to be honest i always just kind of thought of it as a maternal thing mm-hmm. and i know that's there i don't think there's any denying it's there to a certain extent but i i much i appreciate the survivor the shared survivor relationship much more I think that's much more interesting and, and more earned. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's it's easy to sort of devolve into like mother daughter whenever it's a an older woman and a child, you know. And I, as a woman, you know, it is easy to kind of have that motherly instinct really quick and with things like you don't even necessarily intend to. So I do get that vibe, um, but I agree. Like it's it's live or die sort of in this moment, and I think it's that's more complex than just you know this is my kid suddenly because we've known each other five seconds and i have lady reproductive parts <laughs> so yeah right. see that's too easy like I, yeah exactly uh, what i mean by, by it being earned is the story gives us the reason for their bond you know exactly. as opposed to mere uh, genetics or biology um, yeah, I think that it's much more interesting that they've both experienced this thing. And, and it's also interesting that they don't ever say it. Um, that's, that's the one thing that they never, I mean, they talk about, they talk to each other about situational, you know, experiences, but they don't really say we're both, it's, you'd think that maybe today they would go, you know, we're, we're survivors, aren't we new? Yeah, we are Ripley. You know, we might actually <laughs> right. get that moment. So, right. um, all right. So we're going to, now we have, uh, well, we have, Hicks says, you know, we can find her on this tracker. And it just struck me for a moment that, oh, I guess he he realizes that Ripley just passed that tracker on to Newt. I wonder if that bothered him a little bit at all. Because like, it was such a touching moment when he gave it to to Ripley. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if he's like, what do you just... Oh, so you just pass it off to the kid now, huh? Okay. <laughs> I hadn't thought but, of that either, but that's kind of funny. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> of course, he's glad that they have it now because right. they could go dashing after the this child. But um, it's nice. And it, again, this is a nice moment. I like the uh, um, visceral nature of kicking in the, the 
opening to the vent and running through the corridor yelling for Newt as, appo- as opposed to Ripley chasing her down the the chute. I think this is works a little bit better. And we get the cutaway then to to Newt in the water, which is uh, one of the more iconic, you know, especially as the scene plays out, one of the more iconic shots of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's one of the my go-to images when I think of this film is that, especially with her, like, gross little doll head just, like, floating there. <laughs> but with a doll head in yeah. her hand now yeah. is all she's got. She's, like, stroking it and holding it and... You know, and and I think it's a good performance from Carrie Hen here because she's scared, but she's still newt. She's not freaking out. Right. Like she, right. Again, she knows how to behave in dangerous situations. She knows how to keep her cool. So, um, to me, I, I you know I like this moment because it puts her in jeopardy. Clearly, it puts her in a um, in a situation we can feel like being waist deep in water, cold, alone, in this big open space with a possible alien coming out of the woodwork at any point. You know, we feel it, but yet she still stays in character. Right, right. Yeah, that's, it's, anytime you put someone in water, which I know something James Cameron probably knows well, um, it dramatically (laughs) uh, just makes everything feel a little more urgent, I think. Um, Even though it's not like rising water or anything, it just, you know, I don't know, it kind of adds that visual of like, oh, stuff is sucks right now so yeah, yeah. and sh- and we don't know what's under it that's always yeah. the, the the best thing about water what worked so well with jaws right was right. Uh, why they got by without the shark for so many scenes in jaws is because you could just actually point point a camera at water and it's scary right <laughs> because well we're applying something's underneath um, we don't really have to show you what that is to, to make you nervous. It always, this part always kind of reminds me of uh, Star Wars, too, when they're in the trash compactor. And there's, you know, just, again, that feeling of, like, you don't know what is slinking yeah. around your ankles or something. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah. So uh, um, one of the things I also like about this moment where they're they're pursuing her trying to find her is that um we're again using a sound design mm-hmm. for that for this as they as ripley yells for her and we, we get her yelling back it's it's distant and then we get it a little closer and we get the tracking device again closing the distance for us so yeah. we're not wondering um whether they're on uh, on the right track or not we know they are and they're going to get to her but time you know the t- the clock is ticking you know the beeping of the tracker always tells us the clock is ticking so we're still in that um urgent suspenseful mode yeah absolutely uh, yeah and then we cut to the fingers in the foreground, which I think is just an amazing shot. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Little rack focus, I think, occurs there. The fingers come up, and then we rack focus a little bit to Ripley and, and uh, Hicks as they approach. And it's nice because it kind of resets us, too. We get this low-angle uh, shot now that we're going to hold with. We're going to be down here on the floor with them for the entire rest of the scene. So I think it actually is a nice, not only a nice little moment to orient us and and a stylish shot with the fingers in the foreground, but um, it sets us up. It's a a good setup for the rest of the scene. Yeah, the fingers coming up through is such a, like, just a shot that I think, now that you mentioned that, is something I feel like pops up in film a lot to sort of set up place and, I don't know, increase just the, the direction of where everything's going. So yeah, I love that moment also. Yeah. And uh, so they're going to have to cut through. So we're, we're about to get back into uh, cutting torch mode, which is one yeah. of the things we're in a lot in this movie. <laughs> yes. and, to, and to be honest, I, um, 
most of my notes for that are, are for tomorrow's minute. Do you have anything else for this minute? I don't know. All the rest of my notes are for that also. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you'd like to let everybody know where they can find you online, we'll just move on till to, to tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me online. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's Lindsay Romaine, just all one word, uh, with an E, Lindsay with an E. Um, and yeah, you can find me. I'm writing weekly for Thrillist. Um, I write for a bunch of other places too. So yeah, check it out. And you can find us at AlienMinute.com, on Twitter at AlienMinutePod, or on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast. And on Mondays, we like to thank Alex and Pete over at Star Wars Minute for coming up with this Movies by Minutes concept and loaning it out to us. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, for that again. All right, well, that's going to do it for Minute 106. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute 107.